If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we'll be jumping back up a couple verses from where we were last Sunday. We've come to the passage in our church covenant for children. As children, obeying and honoring our parents in the Lord. I know all the children in here have been waiting in great anticipation for this message, just dying to come to church and hear about obedience and honor. I hope so. (laughs) I have a feeling that's not the case. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 6, talking about obeying your parents, very familiar verses, starting in verse 1. Through verse 3 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. We also have a parallel passage we looked at last week uh, for parents in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 20 simply says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. This pleases the Lord. Of course, um, as Andy mentioned, we have, uh, we celebrate Palm Sunday. This Sunday, we don't really do anything um, lavish for Palm Sunday. We we kind of reserve it for for, uh, Resurrection Sunday, but As we do think about Palm Sunday, our minds are drawn to Jesus Christ. And of course, we know that Jesus Christ, being fully God and fully man, was 100% perfect. Even as a man, he lived the the life of a man as himself, as Christ, (laughs) perfectly. He never once sinned. He never did anything wrong. And as we look at Christ, that perfect example, we know that he was not only just perfect in in every way as an adult, but that even means that as a child, he was perfect. Can you imagine growing up in that household, not being Jesus? (laughs) You have to wonder if maybe uh, Mary and Joseph ever made any comparisons and I don't know about you, but as parents, it's easy for us to do that. Um, it, it's wrong for us to make comparisons. Every child is different, but we, we naturally do that, right? Whether it's in, you know, academics or sports or, you know, fine arts or different things like that. We kind of tend to compare a little bit. Well, this child's a little bit better at this and this child's a little bit better at that. Can you imagine being Jesus' stepbrother and Mary being like, why can't you just be like Jesus? Of course, I don't know if they fully understood um, the fact that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Uh, that would be a good excuse. Well, he's God. That's not fair, Mom. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they understood that completely. But, uh, but it, I'm sure it was very difficult growing up with that comparison of Jesus because he was the perfect child. He was the perfect child. He was always obedient, He was always obedient. He was always obedient to his earthly parents, but more importantly, he was always obedient to his heavenly father. 
In fact, the first time that we read about Jesus outside of, uh, the earliest time we read about Jesus outside of uh, his birth is when Mary and Joseph are going to Jerusalem. And they've brought him for the feast and, and everybody's everywhere and there's lots of crowds and everything and they're going back home and both of them assume that Jesus is with the other one uh, probably and, or just with the group of people that were traveling back and they, they just assume that he's around and it gets a little ways down the road. Um, I think it's a day or two if I remember correctly. I didn't, I didn't look it up. But, and they realize Jesus is not here. <laughs> and they go back to Jerusalem and where do they find him? Anybody? In the temple, right? They find him in the temple and he's sitting down and he's teaching the rabbis. He's teaching the leaders of Israel what his own word says. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus, as a 12-year-old child, teaching his own word to these men who were supposed to be the learned ones of Israel. That's just amazing. But what does he say to Mary when she says, you know, in, in Welch language, what in the world is going on? Why aren't you with us? What happened? Um, you should have been here. And I think, if I remember correctly, Joseph actually scolds him and says, you should have been, you should have listened to your mother. And what does he say? He says, I must be about what? My father's business. So yes, he was perfectly obedient to his parents here on earth, but more importantly, he was perfectly obedient to his father. Throughout his earthly ministry, we read over and over and over again, Jesus saying things like, I must do the will of my father, or the words that I speak are not my words, but the words of my father. And then, of course, as we think about Passion Week, we think about what Jesus came to do as we think about him riding on that donkey I'm sure his mind, even at that point, was thinking later on in the week as to what was going to be happening. And we see him there in the upper room with his disciples as he tries to teach them one last time what it looks like to be a servant leader. As he gives them final, final words before he goes to the cross and they go off to the garden and he leaves them and he goes and he prays. And we see then in that his greatest act of obedience as he cries before the Father, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But not, your will, not my will, but your will be done. And then he walks back to the men as the guards come and he willingly lets them take him. No fight, no struggle. As a sheep before the shears is dumb. And he goes with them and he is crucified. And he fulfills the Father's perfect plan for redemption. Jesus is our perfect example of obedience. Unfortunately, none of us in here come close. I think if we all looked back, those of us who are adults can look back and we know there are a lot of things that we did wrong. We probably got punished for a lot of them. We probably got away with a lot of them, <laughs> things that we were disobedient in. But none of us here is perfect like Christ was perfect, but we can look to him as our perfect example. Just as last week we talked about the fact that God, the Father, is our perfect example of a father, of a parent. We can look to Jesus Christ as a child, as the Son of God, as our perfect example of what it looks like to obey. 
As we look at this verse here in Ephesians and in Colossians, this word children in the Greek is tatechnon. It simply means child. It's somebody who is still under the parental authority, but yet old enough to understand God's commands. All right, that's somebody who is still under the parents' authority, the parents' authority, but still, but old enough to understand God's commands. All right, so when Paul is writing here to the Ephesians and the Colossians, he's not writing to the nursery. All right, I know we get it piped in down there, but this is not going to do a whole lot of good for the kids in the nursery because they they're not old enough to understand these commands given by God, who God is, and why I should even listen to what. God is saying, right? So these commands that that Paul is giving, he's giving to the children mostly who are in this room. He's giving to the the young children who are able to understand what is right and what is wrong. He's giving it to the young people who have moved on from right and wrong to maybe a little bit more nuanced questions. You know, is this right or is this maybe a gray area? And then even to teens and older teens who are seeking to transition into some of that independence, but not still out from under the authority of your parents. Paul is writing this passage to you. Teens, this is not just for the little kids in here. This is for you. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. We're going to look at these two different ideas here. We have the idea of obey and the idea of honor. All right. These are two different kind of topics that are related to one another. They kind of go hand in hand. And so Paul gives us, gives them to us hand in hand here in this passage. Um, The Colossians passage doesn't go into the uh, concept of honoring, but throughout the rest of scripture, we see that it is tied very much hand in hand, honoring and obedience. Really, You can't do one well without the other. Um, So we'll look at that together, but we'll look at them separately uh, this morning. So we have the word obey. The word obey right here in the beginning of Ephesians chapter 6. And that is the Greek word hypakuo. Hypakuo means to obey or to submit. All right, we've heard that word submit a lot lately, right? We just got through talking about um, husbands and how they're supposed to submit to Christ as the leaders of the home and wives, how they're supposed to submit to their husbands. And even before that, how we're supposed to submit one to another. So there's been a lot of submitting going on here in Ephesians chapter 5 and now Ephesians chapter 6. Because the idea here is that as children who have the ability to understand, who have the ability to make a choice to do right or wrong, that your choice should be to obey or to submit to your parents. It means to be obedient or to come under the authority of someone. We uh, recently acquired a new canine in our house and... It's, it's been an interesting journey so far. This is the first one that we've had that was a puppy when we got it. So the other one was trained before we got it. We were a little spoiled in many ways. And, uh, and this one's been a bit of an undertaking, um, trying to get that dog to obey, 
trying to get that dog to understand. And, and I, that's a really big part of the process when you're dealing with puppies is initially they don't get it. They have no clue where their body is, let alone what you're trying to teach them uh, to do, whether it's to sit or whether or not to go to the bathroom in the house, or whatever it is. They, they just don't, they don't have the, the cognitive ability, right? But as they get a little bit older, they begin to understand the commands. They begin to understand their, their routine, understand what it is we're trying to get them to do. And if they're a smart dog, <laughs> they'll figure it out and they'll fall in line. They'll submit, they'll obey, they'll come under the authority of the humans in, in the household. Now, sometimes it doesn't work so well with the youngest humans. I know Vivian has a little bit of trouble with her because I think they weigh about the same now. Um, so that makes it a little tough. But Hopefully, that dog is going to come under the submission of everyone in the household so any one of them can give a command to the dog, and it obeys. It submits. And children, if you can understand the commands of your parents, you are required to obey. In fact, obedience is required. When we talk about obedience, we need to understand that obedience is required. It's a command, kids. It's a command of God. You don't have an option. I know that sounds unfair, doesn't it? But I want you to understand this. You do not have an option. Obedience is required. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Keep it. Do not forsake it. Colossians 3.20, we've already read, says, Children, obey your parents in everything. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. It is a command to obey. Children, do you think about that when you're making that choice? When your parents give you an instruction, you know that they want you to obey, but do you remember that this is a command from the Word of God that you are to obey? Does that ever cross your mind? Or do you just make the decision of whether I want to or not, whether I feel like it or not, whether I think this is going to be fun or not? How do you make that decision when you're choosing to obey or disobey? You need to remember this is a command. It's required. It's a command to obey, but it's a command to obey both parents. All right? This doesn't mean you just obey dad and ignore mom, or you just obey mom and ignore dad. You're required to obey both parents. It says, children, obey your parents, right? Both of them. Later on, it's going to split it up and say, honor your father and your mother, right? So you don't get to choose which parent you want to obey. You're like, well, you know, dad's a little bit more stern than mom is, so I'm going to make sure I obey him. But mom, you know, she's a little bit easy. I can walk over her a little bit. Uh-uh. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, children, obey your parents. It's a command to obey both of them. It's a command to obey both parents every time. Every time. There is no instance as a child that you are not to obey your parents. You say, wait a minute, what if they tell me to do something wrong? Okay, there's one instance. <laughs> but 
if your parents were listening last week, then hopefully they're training you and discipling you and leading you to do things that are right, to do things that please the Lord. So more than likely, they're not asking you to go out and do things that are wrong because they know those things are going to mess up all the training they've been trying to do. So, but perhaps you may be in a situation where you have a parent who's not a believer and they may want you to be involved in things that, that are not pleasing to God. In the book of Acts, we have a command from the, uh, from the, the Pharisees, the, the Jewish leaders, to the apostles telling them, do not preach in Jesus' name anymore. And Peter stood up to them and he says, we must obey God rather than man. That is the only time you can disobey your parents is when you are obeying God. So if what your parent is asking you to do or telling you to do is not against what God says, you better do it because it's a command. It is required. It is a command to obey both parents every single time. Parents, obedience is required. Let that sink in. Parents, obedience is required. Disobedience is not cute. It's not acceptable. It's not just annoying. It is sin. It's sin. As we talked about last week, it is our job as parents to bring our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And part of that is recognizing and being willing to deal with the fact that obedience, disobedience is sin. And as parents, we must intervene. We must intervene. Understanding the reality of this command is extremely important. As parents, how, how, is, how important is it? I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 21 verses 18 through 21. This is how seriously God takes obedience. That he actually put this in the law for his chosen people, the children of Israel. All right? This is how important obedience is to God. It says this, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, were they dragging eight and nine-year-olds out there to be stoned? No. I think it's pretty clear this is an older, probably adolescent teenager, but that's serious. In God's law, for his people, obedience, this is not a one-time thing. Mom didn't say, take out the trash, and the kid was like, I ain't taking out the trash. This was a lifestyle of disobedience and dishonor, of rebellion, of wickedness. 
But that's a lifestyle that if we're not careful parents, we can create when we fail to discipline disobedience. God takes disobedience extremely, extremely importantly. The question is, do we? Do we as parents take the obedience of our children seriously? Or do we at times just be like, well, you know, I'm tired. I don't want to deal with that right now. I'll raise my hand. It's hard being parents. We talked about that last week. Part of accepting the call is understanding it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard. It's going to be work to be godly parents. And part of that is recognizing that obedience, disobedience is sin. And obedience is required. Children, do you realize that obedience is required? This is a command that Paul is giving to the children here in the church of Ephesus and in the church of Colossae. Not only is obedience required, but obedience is spiritual. Obedience is spiritual. See, obeying is not just something that we do on the outside, but we obey because we have the right inner motive. We have the right inner motive. What does it say in Ephesians 6.1? Children, obey your parents. How? In the Lord. In the Lord. Children, it's not just a matter of you doing whatever mom and dad says. Yes, it's good that you have the outward action, but it should be motivated by an understanding that you are not just obeying your parents, you are obeying God. It's God's command for you to obey your parents. So when you obey your parents, you're obeying God. Now, when Paul's writing here, he's writing to those whom he assumes are believers. And I know there's a lot of kids in here who have not reached a point in their life where they've accepted Christ as their Savior. Parents, we still train them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And part of that, again, as we talked about last week, is teaching them the gospel and praying that they will accept Christ and, and working toward that end as we evangelize our children. But those of you in this room who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, whether you're very young or whether you're 18 years old, this is a spiritual matter. This is obedience is a spiritual matter. It's not just a matter of you doing what mom and dad says to keep them happy. It's about you obeying God. You growing in that relationship with Jesus Christ as you obey what he has commanded you to do, how he has commanded you to live in this relationship with your parents. Colossians 3.20 says it this way, children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. This pleases the Lord. It's a spiritual act. It's not just this physical thing that we do. Parents, when you don't require obedience from your children, you're showing them that obeying God is not important. Have you ever thought about that? When we as parents choose not to enforce obedience in our home, what are we really teaching them? We're teaching them that God's word is not important. That it's okay to disobey God once in a while when we don't feel like it. 
That's what we're teaching. But we don't think about that. We just think about how this has been the 37th time today that we've told them not to do that and they did it again. And it's frustrating and we're tired. Just got home from work and the kids are yelling and screaming at each other and your spouse is like, it's on you now. And you don't want to deal with it so you just yell at them. Are we, are we teaching our children that obeying God is important by enforcing obedience in the home? Obedience is required, it's spiritual. And lastly, for this word, obedience is learned. Obedience is learned. This is where the discipline comes in. Children, when you disobey, you should expect to be disciplined. What does the rest of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 say? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. It is the right thing to do. And when you don't do the right thing, you should expect to be disciplined. This goes back to what we were talking about last week as parents. We're to bring them up in the discipline. That's, that's the discipline that we think of as, as you know, disciplining <laughs> when they do wrong. But that's also teaching and training right? It's telling them what is right. It's teaching them what's right. It's showing them what is right. All of that is part of that, that discipline of the Lord. And that's going to be that moral lesson that we should be teaching them. This is right. Are you teaching your children to obey you just because if they don't, you get angry? Or are you teaching them to obey you because God has commanded that they obey? Are you teaching them at all? Or are you just disciplining when they do something wrong? There's teaching that goes along with this, parents. It's a moral lesson that we should be teaching. Obedience is a moral issue. Disobedience is sin, not just a frustration. Children, you should expect to be disciplined when you disobey. Why? Because parents don't just or shouldn't just discipline you because they feel like it, or out of anger, or frustration. Your parents should be disciplining you because God commands it. God commands them to discipline, when you, discipline you when you do wrong, when you disobey. Proverbs 13, 24, we looked at last week, says, whoever spares the rod hates his son. That's strong language. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to do what? To discipline him. He's, notice that word in there. He's diligent. It takes work. He who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says this, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Children, if your parents are disciplining you when you disobey, they're doing it because God disciplines when we disobey. They are following God's example. God has commanded them to discipline you. So when you choose to disobey, to ignore the commands that your parents give you, and they discipline you, they're right. They're right. 
And if you are a wise son, as we read through Proverbs chapter 4 earlier, if you're a wise son, you'll listen to that instruction and you'll, and you'll change and you'll think about it and you'll allow it to, to instruct you so that you don't continue to do the things that you were commanded not to do. So that you don't continue to not do the things that you're commanded to do. This is part of God's design for the family. His children submitting to the instruction and the discipline of your parents. Obedience is required. Obedience is spiritual, but obedience is learned. It takes time. It takes effort. And it's not always fun for the parents or the children. But children, if you will learn, your life will be better. We're going to look at that here in just a second. Obey. The next word comes at the beginning of our next verse here in, chapter, in verse 2 of chapter 6. It is this word honor. This word otter, honor. The word is tamao. It means simply to honor, to show esteem or honor towards someone or something. To show esteem or honor to someone or something. This verse says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. First thing I want you to see here is that honoring is a command. I could have gone with the same thing as obedience. Honoring is required. <laughs> Honoring is a command. What does he say there? He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, right? Very clearly, this is a command. In fact, he's actually pointing back to the Old Testament where that command was given. We see that command first here in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 12. Anybody know what's going on there in chapter 20 of Exodus? Ten Commandments, right? The, the ten big ones. The one that most people would at least, you know, listen to as valid commandments. These are the big ones. And we get down to verse 12 and it says this, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. One of the ten commandments. Honor. Honor. Later on, we see Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God gives you. So again, Moses is restating to the children of Israel in this passage what God has commanded in those Ten Commandments. He's reminding them that this is part of what God has commanded. We are to honor our father and mother. Leviticus 19 verse 3, here we have in the, the, the Levitical law. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Everyone shall revere his mother and his father. Matthew 19, we have this interaction between uh, this man seeking for um, teaching from Christ, if I remember correctly, this is the rich young ruler. 
He says in chapter 19, verse 16, And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Even Jesus, when he was stating the commands of God to the people, chose honor your father and mother as part of what he commanded. Matthew 5, Matthew 15, verses 1 through 6. This is an interesting passage. The Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say... If anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. What's going on here? There were people who should have been helping their parents, should have been providing things for their parents. And the religious rulers had made this rule that, hey, you know what? If you commit that stuff that you were going to do for your parents to God instead, then you don't, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to take care of them. And they were giving people an out from honoring their parents. The command that God had given them, they were giving people an out because they were giving it to God instead. They were giving money or time or talents or whatever it was to God. And they were feeling spiritual and yet they were ignoring obedience. What did Jesus say? Which is more important? Honor your father and mother. It's a command. Jesus viewed it as a command. It was a command that even went more importantly than giving monetarily to God. So honoring is a command, but honoring again includes both parents. Honoring includes both parents. You know, it's interesting, right after this, we have the statement, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, right? And again, we understand that that is talking about both parents, but the, the emphasis is on fathers. But yet when it's talking about children before that, what's it saying? It's saying, children, obey your parents, both of them, honor your father and your mother, Kids, you don't get to choose which parents you honor. Just like you don't get to choose whether or not you honor. Honor is a command. You have to honor your parents. And you don't get to choose <clears throat> which one you want to honor. You don't get to, if your parents are having a spiritual discussion with raised volume, you don't get to decide whose team you're on. Teenagers, you don't get to decide whose team you're on because you're to honor your mother and your father. 
equally, both of them. It's a command. Honoring includes both parents. You may be in a situation, again, that you don't think one of your parents deserves honor. Let's be honest, your parents are human beings, they're sinful. One of them might be smarter than the other one. It's okay. But you don't get to choose who you honor. We'll let them haggle who's smarter later. But you don't get to choose. You have to honor both of them equally. Maybe you are dealing with a parent who is not just less desirable, but maybe you're dealing with a parent who's actually living in sin. Somebody who's doing things that you know are wrong, that are against God's law. Maybe they just have wrong thinking. They don't think things biblically. I saw a uh, a statement for a podcast recently, and the question on it was, how do I honor my parents when they have bad theology? I kind of chuckled a little bit, but that's a serious question. Because theology is important. Our understanding of who God is is important. It affects everything that we do. It affects how we live. But yet God still calls us to honor our parents. Even when we disagree with them. Even when we don't like the things that, we're do- that they're doing. Even when they're doing things that are wrong or disobedient. We still honor them. We still respect them. We still reserve re- re- We still honor them. Both of them deserve to be honored, not because of what they've done, but because of what Christ has done. Think about that. Your parents deserve to be honored, not because they're perfect, but because Christ is perfect. And Christ, as our perfect example, honored his father and his mother. How are you doing, kids? Are you obeying all the time? Are you obeying both parents? <laughs> At least you're honest. Are you, uh, are you honoring your parents? Are you giving them the honor that they deserve? How are you doing? How are you doing, adults? Glad he's preaching on kids today. Guess what? Honor doesn't have an age limit. It's a command for every child. Every child. There was a book written not that long ago. Probably is long ago. I'm getting old. uh, By a guy named Robert Munch called I'll Love You Forever. Some of you may have read it. It's basically the story of a, of a mom and a baby and it goes from baby to t- childhood to adulthood and the idea is that I'll love you forever no matter how big you get and it says this little phrase, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. No matter how old we get, we are still children. We're still someone's child and as a child we still have the requirement to honor our parents. And guess what? I feel like sometimes it's even harder to honor your parents as an adult than it is to honor your parents as a child. Because you kind of have to get, you're forced into it as a child. 
because a lot of times they make you do it. <laughs> Don't talk to me like that, right? How many of you kids have heard that? That's not, yeah, okay. Very, I'm making note of parents who, yeah, okay, no. You're kind of forced to obey and honor as a child, but as a parent, as, as an adult, you may not be under the obedience authority of your parents anymore, but do you still honor them? Do you still honor them when they make decisions you disagree with? Do you still honor them when they have problems with their marriage, with sin? Do you still honor them? Again, not because of what they've done, but because of what Christ has done. Do you still honor them? Do you revere them? Do you hold them in high esteem, even as adults? Honoring is a command. Honoring includes both parents, but honoring incurs a blessing or a curse. Honoring incurs a blessing or a curse. It says this is the first commandment with a promise. And he talks about the blessing here. It says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Uh, It's interesting to note here that Paul's not writing to Jews. He's not writing to Israelites. He's writing to Gentiles. He's writing to people who are outside of the line of Abraham from a physical standpoint. And he's giving them this promise that we read all throughout all those different verses in the Old Testament that were for the children of Israel, specifically talking about the land that he was giving them in Israel, the land of promise, the land of Canaan. But Paul is making the assumption here under the leading of the Holy Spirit that that promise still holds true for us as Gentiles, that if we will obey and if we will honor, then there is this blessing. There is this blessing that comes to us in Deuteronomy 5.16. I think we read this already. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This blessing is not just for the children of Israel, but it's also for us today as part of the church. He says, what is this blessing? What is this promise? That it may go well with you. Honoring children will have a good quality of life. Did you catch that? Honoring children. Children who honor their parents will have a good quality of life. That's a promise. It's a command with a promise. If you will honor your father and mother, you will have a good quality life. Does that mean you'll have everything you ever wanted? No. But you have a good quality of life. What might that look like? Maybe a lack of bitterness. How many people grow up bitter and angry at their parents? Because they never learned to honor them. Maybe it's just learning to live with people that you don't agree with but have to submit to. Anybody here work? (laughs) Probably deal with that every day. It's a whole lot easier to do that if you've trained yourself to do that. You will have a better quality of life if you learn to honor your parents. And then it says a long life. Children who honor their parents' life will not be cut short. I think that's the best way to understand this concept. 
It's not saying that if you do better at honoring, you'll just live longer and longer and longer. That's not the idea. The idea here is that if you are a person who honors your father and mother, there will be no reason for God to discipline you by cutting your life short. What does that look like? It looks like that passage that we read before about that rebellious son who his life is cut short, at least in human mindset, because he's rebellious and disobedient and, and dishonoring to his parents. And there, therefore, he is, he is killed. Exodus 21, 15 through 17 says this, whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man, sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Leviticus 29 says, For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. Deuteronomy 27, 16, Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Proverbs 20, 20, If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Proverbs 30, Verse 17 says, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Jesus followed this up in Matthew 15, verse 4. It says, for God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Children, obedience and honor, respect of your parents is extremely serious. If you do not learn to honor your parents, it is likely that God will punish you in a way that shortens what could have been a longer life. Think about that. As children, especially young children, we don't think about how long our life is really going to be. We just kind of assume it'll be up there. Now, obviously, there are things that God may providentially have planned for us. Some may live longer than others. Some may die fairly young for his purposes. But as a general rule, the general lifespan, he's saying if you are a person, a child who dishonors his parents, you deserve death. That's how serious this is to God. Do you honor your father and your mother. We kind of talked about this a little bit already, but finally, honoring never ends. Honoring never ends, or it shouldn't end. No matter how old you are, you're still someone's child. That's even true when it comes to God's requirements for us to honor our parents as children. 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 4 says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. Here's the key. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness in their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. So here we have... Really, it's talking about honoring. This is more in this passage talking about honor is more in reference to uh, financial means. But this idea is still the same. Honoring 
holding up your parent, exalting your parent, taking care of your parent as they get older, specifically in this passage, the widow. Leviticus 19.32 says, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Do we honor our parents as they get older? As they begin to lose mobility, as they begin to lose mental faculty? Do we honor them? Or do we try to ignore them? Forget about them? Regardless of what they have done, how they have succeeded or failed, we are to honor our father and mother. Proverbs 23:22 says this, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. How are we doing, church? Yes, this is for children. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right, but this is for adults as well because they're children. Honor your father and mother for this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Father, we thank you for Christ and for the perfect example that he is, not only as obeying his earthly parents, but in obedience to you, our heavenly father. Lord, we, we pray for our children that they would grow and that they would understand these truths, that they would apply them to their life, that they would seek to be children here in the home, here and now that are obedient, that are honoring to their father and mother, not just because uh, their parents require it, but because you require it and because it pleases you. And I pray that that would be their attitude, that that would be their motivation. And then Lord, for those of us who have moved on from childhood underneath our parents, Lord, as we've maybe parenting our own children, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us endurance, that you would give us uh, fortitude to continue to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord in a way that pleases you, in a way that is consistent, in a way that teaches them that obedience and honor is important to you. And I pray that you would help all of us as children. If our parents are alive or even if they've passed on, Lord, that we would be honoring to them that we would respect them, that we would revere them, that we would hold them in high esteem, not because they're worthy of it, Lord, but because you are. And because we desire to live in a way that pleases and glorifies you. May our actions in glorifying you result in glorifying our parents in obedience and honor. May you be glorified both now and the days to come. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.